With AT&T in-car Wi-Fi, stay connected wherever you go and transform your vehicle into a dependable Wi-Fi hotspot. Powering applications like real-time GPS and voice assistant, navigation becomes a breeze. Even on the practice field, AT&T in-car Wi-Fi keeps you connected while in proximity of your vehicle. Work, stream shows, or finish homework without missing a beat. See if you're eligible for a free trial at att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi. Don't let connectivity be a roadblock in your journey. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you did. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. 17-14 is the final. One touchdown, we are world champions. Believe it, and it will happen. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Monday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live, presented by Cadillac, the official luxury vehicle of the New York football giants. John Schmelk, Lance Meadow with you. The phone number is 201. There it is. 939-4513. Pearson Butler will be screening your calls, talking Giants football for the duration of the next hour. Lance, obviously a dispiriting, dominant performance by the Dallas Cowboys. They defeat the Giants 49-17, a dispiriting loss. And look, I don't think there's much to break down in terms of the X's and O's in this one. I'll just say it's simple. Uh, Dallas was the much better team on both sides of the ball. They dominated up front on both sides of the ball. And I rewatched the game this morning. Uh, DeVito did not have a lot of time to throw the ball. When he did, nobody was really open. And that didn't happen very often in terms of him having time to throw it. And going into this game, when we talked about a path to victory for the Giants, it was pretty simple. Play really good defense. Run the football well with Saquon Barkley. Limit the exposure of Tommy DeVito to one of the most opportunistic and best pass defenses in the league in Dallas. And in the first half, the Giants proceeded to give up 28 points. Saquon Barkley rushed seven times for one yard. And that was the exact opposite of what possibly could have happened in this game if the Giants wanted a chance to win. So uh, based on how that went, the result is unfortunately not that surprising because what the Giants had to do well in this game in order to win, they they failed at, at the worst possible times and, and at the highest possible level. Yeah, they dug themselves in an early hole. And when you spot the Cowboys a double-digit lead, you really don't have much of a chance, especially based on how this team is built and constructed. They had one first down in the entire first half. I mean, if that doesn't tell you the whole story, I don't know what does. 20 first downs to one yeah. in the first half Plus of 19 game. right there. Just couldn't move the ball, couldn't run the ball on early downs. That, to me, was the absolute backbreaker because you look at the third downs, they were 0 for 12 in the entire game. They did not convert one third down in this game, which is hard to believe on any level of football. But that was the reality of the circumstance. And normally, you could face a bunch of third and manageables and, hey, maybe you don't get push up front. It is what it is. But the Giants were facing third and longs throughout this game. Nine of their 12 third downs were for eight yards or more. Those are not manageable downs. And they put themselves in that spot because, once again, they could not run the ball on early downs. And also, even when they couldn't run it, you had some sense of a negative play. And to me, the drive or the possession, if you want to word it, when you got the interception off of Dak Prescott and you got the ball at the 12-yard line, it didn't seem like it. It was still only a 7 nothing game at that point. And I'm not saying that if the Giants score that they're winning the game because I think as we mapped out leading into this contest, I really don't think the result is that surprising given where both of these teams are on opposite ends of the spectrum and how the Week 1 game went too. Let's not forget. And frankly, all the bodies the Giants lost over the course of the game Absolutely, but Mm -hmm. I mean, even if they were fully healthy, there's still a significant edge It was a very steep mountain to climb. Correct. That is for sure. But the one possession in this game where there was an opportunity to make some inroad was when you pick off Dak, and now you're not putting your offense, John, in a position where they have to go 80, 85 yards. You get the ball on the Dallas 12, and unfortunately, 
They ultimately turned it over on downs on that fourth and two play when they ran it with Saquon Barkley, and he pretty much ran into a brick wall. But if you go back to the earlier downs, you had an incomplete pass to Lawrence Kanger. Okay, so now it's second and 10. And that was just to give fans an idea. The Giants went 13 personnel on that play. So they put big people in the game. They ran a play-action pass. So thinking the Cowboys would anticipate a first-down run there, which, frankly, they had been doing for most of the game, Sure, you try to set up a matchup, and then Lawrence Cager did not do a, a great job, in my opinion, fighting with Jordan Lewis on the sideline for position. He kind of just let Lewis get in front of him, and that, frankly, that should have been an interception. Oh, absolutely. It, it yeah. went right through Lewis's hands. Off the fingertips. Yep. So that was a gift right there. Okay, but you're still alive. Then you do run the ball. Barkley picks up two. That was a wildcat play. Mm-hmm. Third and eight now, and... Tommy DeVito ultimately scrambled up the gut for six. So I don't think anybody should question. You're not taking the field goal there, okay? You're not beating the Cowboys with three points. And by the way, on that third and eight to play, I I have all my notes here when I rewatched the game on tape this morning. DeVito hits the top of his drop. No one's open and pressure's in his face already. So there was no, it's basically for the fans that know this type of stuff, it's a classic mesh concept. So basically you send two shallow crossers across trying to, you know, set natural picks and stuff like that. Sure. And by the time the guys were even getting to each other to turn around to look for the ball, DeVito's already running for his life on the play. So there just wasn't much there in terms of guys being open when the pressure got there. And the pressure again, got there way too quick. Well, if you look at that run play, no, it's fine. The context is helpful. He basically put himself into a rhino position. He put his head down, and I mean, the defenders were there. He was just trying to bulldoze his way forward. The fact that he got six on that play was quite an accomplishment. And looking at that play again, Lance, and we saw the Giants run this play earlier in the year, and I think it was the same play. Do you remember the play earlier in the year where they, where the quarterback almost has the triple option on the play, right? So it's almost a read option combination RPO, where he can hand it off to Barkley, run it himself, or keep it and then throw it into the flat. Yeah. We saw the Giants have run that before. I'm pretty sure, based on looking at the tape, that's what the play was. So as DeVito gets the ball, he's looking to hand it off, and I'm trying to remember who the defender was coming down on the play. I think it was Malik Hooker. But as DeVito is at the mesh point with Barkley, deciding whether or not to keep it or hand it off, he's reading his two... The zone play is to the right, the zone run, and he's reading the two outside players... On the defense's right, the offense's left. So he's basically handing it to the right, looking to the left, because if those players crash down on the run, he can keep it and run or keep it a run out and throw the pass. The problem is that, and again, I think it was Malik Hooker. I'd have to double-check who the player was coming down on him. But the Cowboys' safety coming off that edge was literally beelining for Tommy DeVito on the play. So if DeVito keeps the ball and tries to run it, he gets smashed. If he keeps it and tries to throw it, Paris Campbell is open in the flat on that play. I'm honestly not sure if he keeps the ball, if there's even time for him to pull it in and make that throw. That's how quick the defender was crashing down on him when you take a look at that play again. So I think DeVito actually made the right read in handing it off. And on that play... There seemed to be a bit of hesitancy, though, if you watched the initial play. It looked as if, to me, at least, that he was wanting to keep it, and then all of a sudden, like, Barkley just took it. I don't know. That's how I viewed it well, initially. Well, yeah. I think you're right, because I think he's holding it as long as possible Correct. to yeah. see what those outside backers and the Til safety the very last second. are going to do, right? And then Barkley took it, and then it went from there. Right, yeah. and there could have been some room on the play, but much like there was early in the game when the Giants kind of got backed up inside their own five on a couple of those Cowboys punts... The offensive line just did not block the guys they needed to block, and they just got no push in that entire first half. Well, he was lucky he wasn't tackled for a safety on two consecutive plays, Mm -hmm. Barkley. That was after the goal line stand. Yep. Because you could argue, yeah, it was a great goal line stand, but it actually put the offense in worse position because their back is against the end zone where you've got these Dallas pass rushers anticipating you're going to run and ready to feast. I mean, I'm going to give you an example on a play when I talk about the Giants losing up front. I really think that was an underrated thing here. The Cowboys had five sacks, but the pressure was worse than that. There was a play here. It was the Giants' third possession, second possession. It was a third and 12 after one of those Barkley runs for a loss. It was a three-yard loss on second and nine, so it's third and 12. So the Giants have two tight ends in the game, and they have a running back. So it's 12 personnel, right? They go back to throw. The Giants keep eight players into block lands. Eight. Both tight ends and the running back. The Cowboys rush five. Eight guys to block five. They literally run both their outside receivers 
on go routes. All right? Right call. Cowboys are in cover three. You basically have man-on-man coverage on two go routes outside. The second Tommy DeVito gets to the top of his drop, Micah Parsons had come around on a stunt. And if Tommy DeVito doesn't tuck the ball and step up in the pocket to avoid the rush, it's going to be a safety. So even when they're trying to max protect to get a shot play with eight guys blocking five, they cannot protect long enough for DeVito to get the ball off. And Sam Williams got the sack on that play that you're ultimately yeah. referring to. They yeah. actually had six guys at the line, and they actually kind of held Sam Williams back as almost a spy on that play. So in case DeVito did try to scramble like yeah, he did, he was right there. He would be able to, to step up and make the play, which is exactly why I think they yeah. ran it the way they did. DeVito, maybe after he stepped up after the initial Parsons pressure, could have you know chucked it deep on the run from the end zone. That's asking a lot from an undrafted rookie free agent. So there's plus who's to say they get the first down too. Oh Even no! If he gets yeah, of the and and, yeah. and by the way, it's third and twelve here. Remember. And by the way, yeah. the, the two guys running deep down the sideline, they weren't open. It would have been like 50-50 balls. It's not like they had steps on the guys going deep or anything like that. So, yeah. you know, it was just I thought those couple plays were emblematic of when the Giants did try to throw the ball down the field, uh, their protection was not good enough to allow it. And a, and a couple times, were guys that were open that they could have gotten it to if if they protected long enough. Um, Wanda Robinson on a crosser on one. You had another one. I think it was Lawrence uh, Darius Slayton come across on a deep cross, and they just did not protect well enough to allow those plays to develop. And when that happens, then you can't run the ball, to your point. They had a good running series in the second half when they scored their uh, first touchdown of the game on the Giants' second drive of the second half when they got off to the edge a couple times. But other than that, it just the offense could not get anything going against one of the top defenses in the league. And by the way, We've seen this Cowboy defense do this against other teams, too. This is oh, not just absolutely. the Giants. Look yeah. at the game they played against the Jets. They they shut the Jets down in that game. The Rams, The too. Rams in another game, exactly. So it's just a deal where, you know, you, you couldn't get stops early. You couldn't run the ball early. And then you're in a must-pass situation with a banged-up offensive line. You know, Andrew Thomas left the game, came back. You didn't have your right tackle of a kneel. Tyree Phillips gave up a couple sacks in the game. And you're just not. It's not going to go well when that's the situation you put yourself into. Yeah, not when you go up against the defensive line that has so much depth and versatility and is very effective with the stunts and the twists, as we've talked about this all the time yeah. with respect to the Cowboys. It's been the Achilles heel of that Giants offensive line. The trenches defines this matchup. It's defined this matchup going back till 2017. I mean, the Cowboys have beaten the Giants 13 of the last 14. And the Giants have been on the wrong side of that. Yeah, and every game you could point to, John, it comes back to the defensive and offensive lines. So, I mean, what transpired, once again, I don't think was a stunning development. It's just you're asking the Giants to play as close to perfection as humanly possible. And that's just not feasible. Because, Especially with your third-string quarterback yeah, in the game. There always needs to be some room for margin in any given football game because you're not going to run every play perfectly. There's going to be some negative plays. You're going to lose the battles to the defensive line. It's expected. But with the Giants, I mean, you don't have the ability for anything like that to happen because in the blink of an eye, you get down two touchdowns. You don't think Dan Quinn now knows exactly what's going to happen? Whether you have confidence in Tommy DeVito or not, you're asking him to throw the football consistently. And Dallas then loves that situation. Because here's the crazy thing about the Cowboys. Micah Parsons did not have an electric game. Lance, right? he didn't have a yeah. tackle or a that's sack. But even, even if you just look at the box score, that's fine. But even if you watch the optics, there are things he does to, of course, open and help out teammates. So it's not as if he didn't play a good game. But and he was in the backfield getting pressure, correct. things like but that. But it just goes to show you that they don't need him to dominate John yet they still have a dominating performance as a team. That's my point and that I, think, I was getting at. And I think you make a good one because you look at Dexter Lawrence in this game, and if you watch the game, you know, Dexter Lawrence, he in the stat sheet, five tackles, no sacks, right? Yeah. He did have two quarterback hits to lead the team. Giants had four quarterback hits in and the game. And he had a big hit on Dak on a completion to Brandon Cooks. What a throw on that yeah. play by Tremendous Dak Tremendous throw, pocket presence, yeah. Yeah, but... Dexter impacted the game. He just didn't get sacks. But, like, he was in the backfield. Oh, yeah. He was moving guys. He played really well. You look at his PFF defensive grade for the people that care about that. It was like 91. The problem is that where was everybody else? You know, there was no one else getting consistent pressure on the quarterback. Then you lose Deontay Banks. You lose Cordell Flott. The minute Darnay Holmes goes in the game, it's like a huge red siren goes off in the slot. They start attacking him with CeeDee Lamb. And... Then, at that point, the Giants were down their top three corners, right? Because Adoree Jackson was out heading into the game... They attack Trey Hawkins over the top with Michael Gallup. And 
they just didn't have an answer for for Dak Prescott. And the Cowboys didn't run the ball great. They were okay in the game. But they the times their spots. where they ran the ball well, quite frankly, it was when Dexter and Ashawn weren't in the game. When Dexter Lawrence and Ashawn Robinson were in there, the Cowboys didn't run the ball well. But when they caught D.J. Davidson in there, when they caught Nacho in there, it was a little bit of a different story with the run game, at least from what I was watching today. I haven't gotten to the second half yet. I got to the first half and off on Giants defense. I didn't get to the second half yet. I finished the entire offensive tape. But that, that's at least what I saw in the first half. Well, Rico Dowdle, I thought, had a few good runs. I didn't necessarily notice if every single one of his runs came to your point with Dex, yeah. mm -hmm. not on the field. But I know, listening to Mike McCarthy speak after the game, he mentioned that coming into this contest, even Jerry Jones talked about it, that they respect the hell out of this Giants defensive line. They know if they're going up against the Giants, you don't want to go in thinking you're going to run the ball 40-some-odd times. Regardless of even when you're up, you want to be able to throw and try to attack a secondary that has some youth and so forth. Now, in fairness, they didn't lose those corners until the second half of the game. Yeah, that's so correct. For the that's first correct. half, no, you're right about that. You know, you still had Deontay Banks on yep. the field. Mm -hmm. You still had Cordell Flott, who ultimately had the interception. And it's interesting, John, about Trey Hawkins, and was having conversations off the air about this. You go back to the preseason. We were talking about him left and right. I mean, there were people saying that you know he may supplant a veteran on this well, team. He right? Play, he played himself off the field. But things have dramatically changed. Over the course of the regular Which season. Which is, by the way, you don't take a ton out of preseason Exactly. Football. Or training camp, too. Right. There's only so much stock you put into it because, A, it's a small sample size, and B, we haven't played meaningful games yet. And again, he played well. He earned his way he into did. the lineup. Oh, I'm not saying Absolutely. that it was overblown. But, but that's why until you see them in real games, again, real competition, you don't know for sure. Because the reason I bring that up is we were talking a lot about depth this offseason, right? And even the coaches were talking about it. You bring in Sean Robinson and Nacho to spell Dexter Lawrence, and then Leonard Williams gets traded. Well, now you got to play those guys more, okay? So it changes the dynamics. And with respect to the secondary, you got some young guys from last year making strides. You have the rookies who look good, but you haven't seen them go up against Michael Gallup and C.D. Lamb and Brandon Cooks and mm -hmm. what the Eagles receiving core has to offer because they haven't played them yet. And that's when the true litmus test comes into play. And I think as the season has progressed, you're seeing that these guys are still young. They're still unproven. And they got a long way still to go to catch up with a Cowboys team that has utterly dominated them pretty much as of late, no matter what year you want to pick, since Dak's rookie year. He has not lost when he's been the starting quarterback. Their one win was when Andy Dalton was under center. That was the 2020 regular season finale. And even that game went down to the wire as Andy threw, I think, a pick to McKinney, I want to say, in the end zone on the latter part of that contest. All right, I'll wrap with this before we get to your calls here. I know we have a full bank, and we'll, we'll get to your calls the rest of the way. There's a lot of kind of like non-football off-the-field stuff yep. that came up over the course of the game. My, my my two cents, and you heard me on the post-game show last night, so I'll just read it what I said then. One, if you think it's a big deal that the head coach is talking to the defensive coordinator a lot when your defense gives up 28 points and a half, I don't know how to help you. Don't you want the uh, head coach interested in what's happening on the defensive end of the ball? Do you want Brian Dable completely siloed and just worrying about the offense? It's not like he was reaming Wink Martindale and like throwing stuff at him. And Yeah, if I'm the head coach and my defense just gave up 28 points and a half, I'm going to have a chat with my defensive coordinator. Maybe I can help him. Maybe I have some ideas to figure out how to fix things. I don't understand how that's even a modicum of a big deal. I don't get it. I don't understand. Maybe you can call and convince me. I don't get why that's a thing at all. The Slayton Shepard thing, the guys addressed it after the game. Slayton said he got frustrated. He got a little emotional because of the losing. Again, not because of him not getting the football or anything like that, because they weren't having success as a team. Which is understandable. Which, by the way, I don't have a problem with either. Yeah. Right? Do you not want to show it? Sure. But I get it. I'd rather have the guys care than not care. You know what I mean? That's something Bobby Okereke said after the game. And, you know, then Shepard was trying to encourage him. Slayton was obviously in, in a bad mood. So he's kind of like, oh, I don't want to listen to you right now. But Shepard's trying to encourage him. And he follows him down the sideline. That's number two. And again, never assume you know what's being said on the sideline. You're not down there. Things can look very different than what the reality actually is. Well, I'll give you the perfect example, actually, because this came to my mind. There was a few years ago, there was a Lions-Cowboys game. It was, I believe, in Detroit. Des Bryant got very animated on the sideline. Jason Witten walks over to him, and it looks like they're having a heated argument. But Jason was just coming over to encouraging him. And the audio 
was released a few weeks later, and That's it right. told I a completely different story than what the optics and the imagery showcase. <laughs> so it's another example. We could sit here all day and overanalyze, but if you don't know the proper context, I think you're making a very dangerous assumption. I also think this is the perfect product of teams not playing well, and people just don't want to... looking for things to do. Well, they don't want to just accept the fact that Dallas out-executed the Giants in every facet of football imagine. And right now, Dallas and, is just a better team. Yeah, and that's too boring, John, to digest. Correct. So instead right. of just saying, okay, they outclass them on the field, we have to look for, okay, what is other rationale as to why the game was so lopsided? Oh, you've got two wide receivers that seem to have friction, and you have the head coach talking to the defensive coordinator, and they're having a very lengthy powwow, and this is not something we typically see. So there's bad blood brewing. And then you have guys that don't speak to the media after the game and everything is breaking apart when they're human. They're not robots. If you put me in a position and I was on a team and I was trailing 28 nothing, what do you think I'm doing? Smiling and it's rainbows and lollipops? Lance, we played on the same rec league basketball team. When things go wrong, yeah, you get frustrated. Stand, you get, get mad at each other. It happens. And, and I'm not trying to put myself in no, the shoes of a professional it athlete. It's normal human nature. If you're a competitor yeah. and you're being beat up, and it's a lopsided game, show me an individual that's having fun taking part in that. No. No one's having fun. So no one's having fun. Why should professional athletes be any different? And I, whole, just, I don't see why it's an issue. And the whole media after the game thing, uh, I don't know what happened with McKinney. I'm not in the locker room. Lance is in the locker room, so we don't have firsthand knowledge of this. Uh, but there was a big thing made about Dexter Lawrence deciding not and to And he talk. addressed it earlier with the media. And yeah. I'm going to get to that right now. And basically he said, look, and by the way, this is true. I've been in that locker room after every game since gosh, 2012, Dexter Lawrence talks after every single game. Every game you can go up to him, he'll talk, win, loss, or draw. Apparently, and again, I'm not in the locker room, I'm just going by what, and the media seem to confirm this is what happened, so I don't think this is a controversy, that Dexter Lawrence said, guys, look, it's my birthday, I have family here today, we don't have a lot of time after the game to spend time with family before you get on the bus and you get out of there, and the team did get out of there quickly yesterday is my understanding, and he didn't want to talk, and he wanted to talk to his family. Now, ideally, do your leaders talk after a game like this? Sure. Is that the preference? Sure. I would like to think for a guy that never really says no when you ask him to do something, that the one time he asks for a little bit of grace, you get a little bit of grace. That's all I'm saying. But again, I get it. You want the leaders to talk after a loss like this? Totally understand that. Not arguing with that. But given how Dexter has treated the media over the years, seems to me that one-time deal, if this becomes a trend in it's three or four games in a row, whatever, fine. But a one-time deal, I, I, I think it's making a, to your point, no one wants to talk about a game that was 32 points and Dallas has 640 yards of offense, most since 1966, whatever it was, 1960 Eagles game. You know, people are looking for other stuff to talk about. So I think that's kind of where we're at. And this is not an excuse for the players, but the other thing that I also find interesting and I'm going to make a generic statement about press conferences in general. More often than not, you really don't get a lot. Regardless of whether or not the player or the coach is going to answer the questions, they're not at the point where they've broken down the film and can really provide ultra insight into what may have gone wrong. You normally, I feel you get a better takeaway the day after once the coaches and the players have had an opportunity to review things. So, you get more of an emotional reaction after you get the an game emotion, than anything yeah. X's and O's but wise. But yeah. the bottom line is, they once again, they were outplayed. The score reflected that. The optics reflected that. No matter how you want to spin it, I guess what I'm getting at is I don't think there's anything a player or a coach could say that is going to change what would have transpired on the field. I think everyone knew why the result took place. Whether Dexter Lawrence addressed it, whether a secondary member addressed it, whether Tommy DeVito addressed it. I think if you watch the game and you saw what happened, I think, once again, it's pretty much stating the obvious at this point. Join us on Sunday, November 19th at Hair of the Dog in Manhattan to watch the Giants take on Washington, enjoy Modelo drink specials, meet a Giants legend, and enter a raffle to win game tickets and more. Visit Giants.com slash Bar Network to learn more. Don't forget, subscribe to the Giants Little Podcast. Our rapid reaction with Madeline and Sean O'Hara is up there right now. Other stuff coming later in the week. Find it on Giants.com slash podcast, the Giants app, or search for Giants Huddle on your favorite podcast platforms. All right, let's get to it, folks. I'm going to try to get to as many of you today as possible at 201-939-4513. Let's lead it off with Donnie in Queens. Hello, Donnie. Hey, guys. Good afternoon. Um, last I spoke to you guys, on you and Paul last Monday, um, and I was kind of with you guys at the time. I said, I, you know, I really wasn't into the – 
looking ahead and talking about the draft and those types of things, that there was still, you know, games left to play. I'm waiting for a butt, Donnie. Yeah, I mean, well, there's still seven games, so. Sure. And, but my butt, my butt is going to be <laughs> that uh, uh, if if it happens, unless Tyrod Taylor comes back, there's not going to be anything to analyze. And this isn't a knock on, on uh, Tommy, but the players are not stupid. And there's two there's two ways to play hard. There's there's playing hard, and then there's playing hard with belief. And I think it was just pretty evident to me that the Giants did not believe that they had a chance to win that game yesterday. Um, well, Donnie, I, I will I, say this. Look, and, and, and I can't tell you whether or not you're right about that or not, but the opponents are not the Dallas Cowboys the next four games sure. the Giants play. Sure, it, it will get easier, um, but it's just the whole thing is just blech. Like it's just there's no fire, and look, that, that's what happens when these seasons happen. And unfortunately, we've seen far too much of it. And you know, unfortunately, I, I, I hate to admit this, I, I took the Cowboys in my survivor pool yesterday. I'm probably going to take Washington next week, and I, I say this not to disrupt your program. I really appreciate the work you guys do. This is more just for ownership to hear, but the vast majority of the fan base is rooting for the team to just lose at this point. And that, that's kind of where it's at here. See, now, Donnie, you so, say yeah. that, and I do think there's a group of fans that think that way, but trust me, when you're in that building and there's 70,000 fans there, about three, four, three quarters of them are still rooting for the team to win the game. I'm just yeah, telling you that, that that's how, that's how yeah. more fans than you think go about their business. There is a group like you that are probably their harder core fans that are more thinking that way. But the people that sit there and have a five-hour tailgate and freeze their butts off outside and spend a lot of their hard-earned money to go to the game, they want to see the Giants play well. They're not going to the game to see the Giants lose. They're not. I, I, I promise I you that. Well, John, it, you're talking about uh, three-quarters of maybe 40,000 people that are going to be at these games moving forward. So it is a smaller sample size. A lot of the fans are going to turn their back and I'm not going to go to another game this year. You know, I have tickets. I've, I've given them away. Um, you know, and look, I think the alcohol maybe lets people forget <laughs> track of Well, but I mean, Donnie, I, I think the larger point is regardless of how individual fans feel, as I've said multiple times on this program, the players are not consumed by the draft or what's going to happen with this team next year. And, and, and ownership wants them to win games as well. Yeah, but I mean, sure. but the players are the ones that are controlling it, and, and the a lot of the guys are not going to be on the roster next year. That's just the nature of the NFL and the turnover yeah, rate. So you can't say to yourself, oh, well, it serves the team's interest if we lose a game when that player may not even be around to benefit from wherever they yeah, saw Yeah, absolutely. And that's why I've seen debates where why would they put Tyrod back in? Well, because they have to. Like, they, they have to. It's not fair to Dexter Lawrence to say, go get double sure. teams for... 60 minutes and we're not going to give you the best chance to play. Yeah, 100%. Absolutely. 100%. Yep. Sure. I, yeah. I have no idea what the health status of he is moving forward. Well, he hasn't been ruled out for the season. I mean, we don't sure. know, right. and he is eligible to come back after the bye, as I mentioned last week. So, to me, as it stands right now, until Brian Dable or somebody else officially rules him out for the remainder of the season, the door is still opened, assuming he's healthy once he's eligible to return following the and bye. And with the bye week in there, Donnie, that's almost like, if you look at the calendar, six calendar weeks that will have gone yeah. by since yeah. the injury. So, yeah. So look, they, they, until he gets back, I, I just I don't think you'll. I mean, like, at least offensively, you're not going to see much competitive football. I mean, it's just very hard to fathom. And and look, you guys know what happens too in these situations. Guys start dropping like flies. Are you, you going to push through a, a certain injury if you're a pending free agent? Maybe, maybe not. So, look, yesterday sucked. The season has sucked. The, the last decade has generally sucked. I'm kind of at a loss here. I'm almost just calling to just vent to you guys, and I, oh, we get I almost it. appreciate appreciate you being here for that. And let's just hope for better days. And, and that's really all I got for you guys. Have, have a good week, and uh, if I don't talk to you, enjoy your uh, holiday with your family. All right, you Donnie, too. appreciate it. Don't be a stranger, Donnie. You don't have to stop calling. We can talk about other things. Um, <laughs> but uh, look, guys, I understand why everything looks so bleak as it does right now. It's 49-17. You got outgained by almost, you know, they almost had three times as many yards on offense as, as, as the Giants did. I get it. But, look, Washington's defense is not good. Like, it's not good. There's no reason this offense should not be able to function at a decent level next week. Opponents do matter, okay? Opponents do matter. 
Now, it was very disappointing. They could not function better against the Raiders two weeks ago. I was just going to get to that. Because yeah. they should have been able to function better against the Raiders, too, and they didn't. So, let but again, let's see how this goes in a week against Washington, and then I think we'll have a better feel for where this team is headed. Because like I said, Lance, we've seen Dallas do this to teams. If Washington now, and again, the Raider game's a bad sign, but if we see this Washington team now run out to a big lead and, and win in a, in a blowout, which is something Washington generally doesn't do, they play very close games. Well, Sam Howell played a really good game yesterday, so we'll see. Oh, no, yeah. look, Sam, Sam Howell's, and the only reason the Giants beat him the last time is because Dexter Lawrence just took oh, over the he game. he had no time. Dominated. Protection was terrible. Absolutely yeah. dominated Dexter Lawrence. So let's see how the game next week does. And then I think we'll have a better idea of kind of where this thing is heading. Yeah, and then after that, they have a New England team. They that can't score either. Mac Jones, they're having their own issues. Is it Bailey Zappi? Is it Mac? I mean, who knows what that team is going to look like. But, you know, then again, and I think I've said this over the last few you years. You have John, to be able to take advantage of it. you got to be able to take advantage, and that hasn't happened. So I get tired of having the dialogue, oh, this looks like an attractive game, so therefore the Giants should dominate. And I'm not saying you were going there, no, no, but no. we've had similar conversations where – Fans also think, oh, this is the part of the schedule where it opened up because, in fairness, right, after Miami and Buffalo, what was the narrative? Oh, they have Washington, they have the Jets, they have the Raiders. Well, and they beat Washington, and they should have beaten the Jets if it wasn't for the last 30 seconds of the game. Yeah, but they ultimately ended up losing two Correct. of those three, mm-hmm. and that's why you can't take anything for granted. And I don't think the Giants are in position to do that, especially based on how they've been playing no. on both sides. And, of the I, and obviously that yeah. wasn't the point I was making. No, no, of course of not. Course. But, but I'm just getting back to yeah. we've heard these conversations prior. That's all I'm saying. But yes. Washington are, not as good as Dallas. No. That's basically the next two opponents arguments. are not the Cowboys. Yes. They're not the Correct. Cowboys with respect to the defensive line. They're not the Cowboys with respect to the offensive line. They're not the Cowboys with respect to the skill position and by players. The way, same, and the quarterback, too. Same with the Saints. And the Packers after the bye too. Like those are not they're they're not the Eagles. They're not Dallas. They're not San Francisco. Yeah. They're not even Seattle, right? They're not even at that level or Buffalo or Miami. You know what I mean? So you would hope if the Giants and again none of this matters. The opponent doesn't matter unless the Giants play better. They have to play better, and then it's obviously easier to play better against opponents that aren't as good. And then you'll kind of you know see where you're at. Let's go to Jamal in Dallas. I know Jamal isn't having a rough day today, probably, with all the Cowboy fans down there. Jamal, what's up? Oh, my gosh, fellas, fellas. Thank you for taking my call. How y'all doing? Yo, all right. All right. So, I was at the game yesterday. I go every year. It's a family tradition. Um, all my family from up north, they all live down south now. But they, my aunts and uncles raised them as Cowboy fans, and my dad raised me as a giant. So, I always tell them I was raised the right way. <laughs> um, <laughs> But anyway, um, with that being said, man, oh, man, the debacle, it was ugly. Like, I had to leave at halftime. I, I was trying to make my way to y'all, <laughs> trying to find y'all on the other side. I was in the 300 section on the, on the Cowboys side. But anyway, I was like, I got to talk to Big Blue Kicker. I got to call it tomorrow because this is, oh, my God. But anyway, so I recorded um, some of the plays, and I think y'all discussed in the beginning of your intro of the conversation. And on that I guess on that fourth down, on that fourth and goal series. Yeah. Um, I think you were talking about those crossing routes that we that, that we that we ran. Yeah, that yeah, that, um, yeah, that, yeah. That was on the third down previous to the Barkley fourth and two run. That correct. Was, yeah, that was the correct. one where Devito ran yeah. for six. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So those routes. I mean, I guess there were supposed to be some type of pick plays that didn't develop. I mean, nobody was open. I mean. It, it, um, Nobody was open. Yeah, but Jamal, I, I the thing nobody. is that there wasn't even time for the guys to get open. By the time, I think that That's was J-Ron. I think J-Ron Curse was the free runner on that play, if I remember properly. And, okay. And, and De- the minute DeVito got his foot down, guys weren't even out of their breaks yet and finding space, and he was already running for his life. Right. But, but, there, but there was another play on that series. Um, maybe it was second down. And we threw it toward the end zone. I don't know what receiver that was. No, I think you're talking about um, the cager throw on first down. Is that what you're referring to? The, the one down the right the, side. The second line down that, was Barkley yeah. in the Wildcat. There was no, no, the, no, there no. was the a throw down the right sideline that that Jordan Lewis should have picked it off to cager. That play you're talking about? No, no, it was an overthrow. It was an overthrow. We were right there on the seven or the eight. It was an overthrow, but Bellinger came open. Like Bellinger was open on the hash. Like, he had beat that linebacker. Was this a, what, I think this is a diff, different drive. I'm yeah, I'm, 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 I'm thinking maybe yeah, this is the drive in the third quarter, drive. maybe? Yeah. 
No, it has to be in the beginning of the game because there was the only time we were that. No, no, this is the beginning of the game because we were going towards that particular end zone. Hold on, I'm gonna find it. But anyway, Bellinger comes over. I think um, Devito took two, three steps and just threw it to the right side um, of the field. Let me see. Um, but anyway, um, Bellinger comes open on a release on the inside. So I'm like, man, if he just waits a little bit, um, maybe we have he, he had two steps on the linebacker. Anyway, the wildcat move, that wildcat play, oh my gosh, is that McKinnon number sixty? Uh, oh yeah, huh. McKeithen oh, gets turned guys. around, and, 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 and turning around? Dude, it almost looks like he's playing defense like a basketball player on <laughs> yes. Saquon Barkley on the play. Dude, I saw that today he, on the tape, and I'm like, oh my gosh, dude! If yep. he would have just turned around and blocked somebody in front of him, they would have gained like five or six yards on the play. We we might score. He might be in a score, maybe not. But he was. I mean, D Law is right there. He's not making the tackle. He's not making the play. Right? Just block. The, look at those safeties and DBs right there. Just block them. We have nobody there. Just you, you ran into Saquon, and that was many plays like that. Um, what is it? Smith, our, our center is going to push back into Saquon every play. It's like John Michael it, Schmitz it, had a had a little bit of a rough game against Tankins and, and Neville Gallimore. Yeah, I mean. It was just, and then, oh, my gosh. And then that play. I know, I know y'all talked about it, but that, that play to Barkley. So, I guess it was a read option. Or, um, yeah, that's RPO. what it looked like. Uh-huh. Yeah. But come on, guys. We Come on, Kafka. Come on, Devil. Devil, you, we got to be more creative down there. Like, why are we not getting um, Wondell Robinson on a flare route? Um, why are we not getting him the ball in space, Saquon the ball in space? Um, why are we running him through the middle? Like, I think the middle is our weakest part of our offense. Would you not agree? Well, especially based on the matchup with what the Cowboys present on the interior. Well, on the defensive line, yes, but the Cowboys are also a team that basically play 210-pound safeties at linebacker. So you think you can maybe get downhill on them. Because the last thing you want to do is let those guys run sideline to sideline because the Cowboys rely on speed on defense, right? Yeah. So I think but the thought want... would be you want to try to get downhill on some of those smaller second-level players, and maybe you could break – some runs. Unfortunately, you got to get through the first level. You have to get to the first level first, and they were unable to do that. One hundred percent correct. No argument. That, that's one hundred percent fair. Like, you can't, you can't, you can't get to the second level. If you can't get no push on the first level. So I rather put my running back on a linebacker. I don't care how fast they are. I still think my running back is probably a better athlete than them. I mean, except Michael Parsons, he's a he's a freak of. Well, the Cowboys have some pretty good athletes, though, in fairness, at the linebacker they position. Do. Even some of these guys that are filling in for Leighton Van Der Esch and so forth. And their safeties. I mean, John referenced J. Ron Curse, Donovan Wilson. Marquise Bell. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. these guys, they're athletes. Right. And still, Dan Quinn I, I, taps but, into them. But, but Saquon is our best athlete on the offense right now. So so my thing is just the creativity. we got to get our our guys in space. I get it. Matchups. I'm in the game. I'm like, guys, we got to find matchups. You're going to tell me... Wondell Robinson can't get open on these guys, and I get it. It's about timing. Um, my last point is just I feel like we're at a breaking point. I'm sorry. I know y'all guys are gonna wait into the Washington game to see, but our leaders aren't willing to talk. We're, they're they're done. Saquon's. They, I guess there's rumors Saquon had a, you know, a moment with um, our coach. You know, McKinney's making comments. I mean, Darius Slay. I mean, Slayton is is, is having a meltdown on the sideline. Guys, uh, well, that well, wasn't. I, I, that wasn't really a meltdown. I'm not sure that's a yeah. meltdown. I mean, well, we don't mean Odell Beckham meltdown. Right, but, exactly. That's what I'm well, saying. Yeah, but but I mean, I mean, Jamal, have you grown up playing sports? You play sports when you were a kid. I played college ball, man. Okay, so did you get annoyed when you lost a lopsided game? Oh, trust me. Okay, oh, exactly. So, so my so my point is, you should be able to relate then when things oh, don't go right. Human beings get frustrated, don't they? Oh yeah. yeah. But okay. What is, so what's the difference? But what I'm saying is. But these are guys, a lot of the guys, but the guys that are normally not like that are starting to show some character traits that are not usually like them, right? I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm just saying. Well, I mean, think about guys. it. Darius has been here since 2019, okay? So right. last season was the outlier for him. Every other season, Correct. has he tasted the playoffs? Yeah, same for Saquon, Has he tasted right? winning football? Same for Saquon. Well, yeah, and I'm not, no, no, so, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not arguing it's a bad I'm just saying I'm, I'm getting concerned on – they're getting tired of losing, the way we're losing, the fashion we're losing. I'm just saying, as you see leaders starting to act this way that's out of their character, whether it's the right way to act or not, that's not their personality naturally. No, I hear you, usually, I hear what you're saying. 
You know what I'm saying? So to me, I'm a little concerned. Like, hey, what's going on in that locker room? McKenny's making comments last week. Andrew Thomas is trying to buffer it up. It's just a lot seems like it's going on. And when you're losing like this, everybody's going to put a spot on you, stuff like that. My last point is this. My last point is this. Owner, Steve Tiss, John Mara, come on. You can't handicap our coaches with, with, with quarterbacks. Nothing against DJ. I had nothing but faith in him. I know he's injured. I hope he comes back healthy. But you gotta let the general manager and your quarter and your coach select their quarterback. No, look, Jamal, I'm I'm gonna tell you right now. If they go to the owner and they tell him they want to draft a player, ownership's not gonna tell them no. They're not. So they, I got They're not so gonna tell I'm gonna them take no. This off, and I'm gonna take this off the air. Yes, sir. But something I want you to think about. Yes, sir. Tell me a team that has been successful when they inherited a previous quarterback. And when I mean successful, I'm talking about not Super Bowl, but playoff wins. You know, tell me. I, I just want to know. What is the record and what are the statistics or the type of teams that have been able to sustain by not picking their own quarterback with success? I, right now, I can only think of right now I can only think of maybe two: Tom Brady with the, the, the Tampa Bay, and then um, Dak, McCarthy and Dak. Uh, I would say Aaron well, Rodgers with uh, Lafleur and Green Bay. I mean, they, uh, well, but what are they we had talking? Very successful years down there. But I mean, are we talking about a new GM or a new head coach? Or are we talking about the combination of both? Because here you had a new head coach and a new GM. There are certain situations where the general manager who drafted the quarterback is still around. And then the head coaches change. So it's different situations, different environments. I mean, I'm thinking through. I mean, Jalen Hurts was there before Sirianni was there. Correct. Correct. Yeah. That regime didn't draft Sirianni inherited Jalen Hurts. Correct. Because Hurts was there when Doug Peterson was the head coach. Mm -hmm. So there you had a new coach come in. And Howie Roseman and them had drafted him. And look at Sirianni now flourishing with Jalen Hurts. The Bucks chose Brady, didn't they? They traded for him. Yeah, well, no, that, yeah, that's yeah, why that's I didn't understand too, what yeah. he was talking that's about. True. Yeah, that was not a good it example. It isn't like Brady was there yeah. and they changed head coaches after Brady yeah. got well, there. Well, and also Todd Bowles was there. He was the defensive coordinator right. when he took over. So I wouldn't necessarily use that. Well, what about Tua, a Tua Tonga Valoa? Tua, right? Tua yeah, was Tua. in Miami when McDaniels got there. Correct. Tua was already there because Tua's had... About 500 different offensive coordinators. Yeah, that's a good one. He was there with Flores initially. That's a good one. So Mike McDaniel comes in, inherits two, and look at what's happening with the Dolphins' offense. So I think that would be a good example. Granted, it's a small sample size, but I think it's a stretch to say individuals are being forced on other people. And guys, trust me, if Joe Shane wants to draft a player, you know, unless there's some type of like, you know, criminal history or something that reflects poorly on the organization where the ownership might step in and say, we don't want that player, you know, as part of this organization and representing the the team, I could see the ownership stepping in in a situation like that um, in a very, very severe circumstance, not in like, oh, the kid smoked weed or something like that. You know what I mean? Maybe, but otherwise, the ownership group lets these guys draft who they want. They don't dictate what players they draft. It's not the way things work here. Just isn't. Go ahead. Justin Herbert with the Chargers. Brandon Staley took over. He was already drafted, so he was there. He was already there when Staley got there. Yep, he okay. was already. He was there with Anthony Lynn. So oh, that, Anthony Lynn. That's yeah, right. Anthony Lynn that's was right. the head coach. So that's another example that I'll give you. What and about then the Vikings. The Vikings. Kirk Cousins was inherited by yeah, Kevin O'Connell. Yeah, they've actually had a lot Correct. of success with Cousins. Yeah. And yeah. So sorry, Jamal. Your theory is not the best. Yeah, I'm just I'm going around the league. Oh, here's another one. Fair question, though. By the way, I like this. I, I you know, I, I actually think this is a pretty good exercise. Trevor Lawrence was there. Doug Peterson comes in and look at what he's done with Trevor. So yeah. I, mean, I, mean, I think everyone's tried to forget the Urban Meyer experiment. Yeah. No, but yes. I, I mean, I'll, I'll keep going around no, and around. No, that's and great. I'll give you another one. I know it's not a perfect example, but Kevin Stefanski inherited Baker Mayfield, and Baker had his best season. With Stefanski, they made the playoffs that first year. Then things didn't go according to plan. Baker got hurt, but he inherited him that first year. They made it to playoffs. Remember, they beat up Pittsburgh in the postseason. Kevin was dealing with COVID. He couldn't even coach the team. So there are plenty examples of coaches coming in and keeping the current quarterback. Yeah, there is. And by the way, I did find the play you was talking about. It was the throw to Cager. And Bellinger opens up late, but he opens up after the ball's in the air. And this cowboy safety guarding Bellinger is looking back. He sees the ball in the air and he slows down. So I, I don't. I'm. I'm not going to buy that one. And Jamal. by the way, it, I'm maybe confusing a play. Was yeah, yeah. it Jordan Lewis or was it Wanye Thomas that almost had the interception? I thought Part it was me, Jordan Lewis. It was no? Jordan Lewis. No, okay. I mean, I'll, no I'll maybe I'm mistaken. I, I thought Wanye was in one of the plays, but I may be confusing it with another one. 
That's uh, that's why I was just curious if you had the play up. But no, I, I maybe that one quick. was uh, Jordan Lewis. I, I just I remember vividly Wanye Thomas, who's another guy, by the way, like Marquise Bell, who's been filling in for some of these injured guys. He was actually the one that blocked the Let's field goal. What number it is in you could be week right. one. That is number thirty. No, you're right. Number thirty. You're correct, Lance. It was one. Okay, Thomas. yeah, I remember Wanya making a play on the ball. No, 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 all good. That's why I didn't know no, whether it was that play or was it a different play. No, you're, that was the exact play I was thinking about. That was one. Yeah, it was literally right off his fingertips. I'm showing for the audience. I can see us on camera. I mean, it went off both index fingers. Yeah, I don't know why. Top. I mean, it's, the yeah. numbers aren't even close. I have no, no idea why fine. I thought that was Jordan Lewis. 201-939-4513. Let's go back to the phones. Brandon's in New Jersey. Brandon, what's up? Uh, how's it going, fellas? Uh, Could be better, Brandon. What's up? Yeah, can you hear me? We hear you. Loud and clear, clear man. Yep. What do you got? Um, I, first off, I want to know how I could uh, nominate you guys for sainthood because the fact that y'all spent 30 minutes professionally breaking down that dumpster fire of a game is amazing to me. And you guys need some type of medal or something. <laughs> y'all do a great job over there, all right? It was more like 22 minutes, but I appreciate it. That's the thing. I appreciate yeah, that. Thank you. you. Counting it all, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, we don't need participation trophies. It is what it is. And, you know, listen, I said this last week. I'm not speaking for John. I look forward to the season, regardless of the of results. Course. So I'm going to spend time breaking down a game, whether it was competitive or not, because we spend the entire offseason analyzing prospects and going through the draft. So I understand it's rough, but the way I look at it is... We have four months. There's going to be... January, gen- February, March, yeah. April, guys. Four months. I mean, there's only so much analysis you could put into draft picks. It becomes paralysis by analysis. So... I understand it's not the most exciting contest, but it's at least something different from our perspective. I'm just I'm telling right. you how I'm approaching and it, look, at and, least through my lens. And look, maybe we'll start looking at it more as in terms of, you know, how individual players are progressing throughout the year with some of these games, but the tape's always valuable. You know, you only get 17 game tapes a year to evaluate a team and evaluate players, and to the front office, every second of that is valuable to see what you have on this roster. Yeah. Anyway, Brandon, go ahead. I'm sorry. All right, I have an off-season question, but I'm going to just get it out now. It's really more just like a question of if it could happen, the likelihood or whatnot doesn't really matter to me. Sure. But um, So before, John, me and you talked about Jalen Hurts' contract before and how it was listed as like a five-year contract, but it really is more like 10-year contract. Um, I was trying to figure out, like, although they've signed Jones to, I think it's four years and 160, and only 82 of it was guaranteed, I was trying to figure out, could they extend him to make all those cap numbers lower? And whatever the Giants' Twitter is saying, let's say they get it their way, you just leave him as the backup? I've always said I thought Jones was the best backup in the – in the league. No, look, like, Brandon, would, you, you, Brandon, you could do that, but you could not put enough extra years on that contract to, to, to spread that money out. The quarterback would have to agree to that, and you would still have you know fairly large cap numbers for a backup quarterback. So, no, I, 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 I don't think that's something that's feasible. Yeah, I mean, you're still kicking the can down the road, as they say. I mean, even if you the, double the length of the contract, you're still looking at an average of $20 million a year on the cap hit. I mean, for a backup, yeah. no. I mean, it's not going to happen. Because I'd like to keep Jones. I still think he, I've always said this. I've called here. I've always thought he was the best backup quarterback in the league. At the time, he was a starter, so nobody wanted to hear that. But he still he has great, like, all his physicals is good. When he has time to throw, I mean, he's fairly accurate. So they're behind people sometimes, but whatever. Fairly accurate. Like, he has everything you kind of would want in a quarterback, especially a backup. You already have him on the contract instead of just, like, getting rid of drones and for nothing basically and spending all this money, dead cap, more bad contracts, like all the stuff that's plagued the Giants for, I don't know, a decade. Instead of, you know, instead of continuing to do that, maybe find some creative ways to, to basically fill up a position you have to have backup quarterback. But, but you know, at the same time, not well, Brendan, l- let me jump in here and ask you this, because, I mean, I think the exercise of us finding other examples when the previous caller was talking about inheriting a quarterback, can you remember a time where a starting quarterback redid his deal and then settled to be the backup after he was given a lucrative contract? Yeah, that would be a first. I mean, I that would be – you're asking for uncharted territory. That's what you're asking. And for. I don't think those and, – and, Brandon, those, I, I, again, I, I appreciate your creativity. I, it's just something that, that that's not going to happen. Do, do, uh, do you have any other points you want to make? 
No, nah, that was it. It was just a question like that. No, no, very fair question. It's all good, man. I, I appreciate all creative questions and I appreciate the creativity. Great stuff. God, Thank you. you sounded defeated. I know. <laughs> I felt. I, I, I didn't. You mean just to, sucked the living life out of me. I hope you're happy with yourself. I didn't mean to crush his hopes and dreams. I thought the guy's breaking down on the phone here. I thought he waited on hold to speak to us, and that's what you did. You literally ripped his heart. I thought I was nice and polite about it. The man was highly emotional after that. Jeez, Louise. My goodness. And now he's going to call up and yell at Pearson on the phone. And then we're going to have issues on the sideline here. And people are going to say Big Blue Kickoff's falling apart on us. I'm just kidding, obviously. In all seriousness, though, with respect to the question, I think that's more realistic what the last caller was saying when the player is still on a rookie contract. Yeah, for Where sure. you can have a guy that started, right, and then you bring him back. You know, Zach Wilson was going to be the example that I got to, and he started, he was benched, he started. Because from a financial standpoint, it's manageable. Right. When you get into the territory of giving a quarterback starting caliber, top 10, 15 money, it completely changes, I think, the realistic opportunity to change the depth chart bring in another guy and have everybody happy and not put stress on the salary cap. So that's why the Zach Wilson situation is very different than what the caller was laying out potentially with Daniel Jones. And again, you hit the quarterback would have to agree to it, and that's extending out Absolutely, at, at yeah. veteran minimums over the course of four years. You think anybody would do that in their right mind? No, they wouldn't. So no, again, yeah. Brandon, appreciate the creativity. You're a great caller. We love you. You're the best. Thank you. <laughs> Call back. But uh, I, I just don't think that idea is going to work. Let's go to DJ in Virginia. He's up next. Hey, DJ. Hey, how's it going, guys? What's up? Doing all right. What's on your mind? Uh, so I'm just curious. Um, I'm trying to figure out um, exactly what's going on with the team as far as, like, why does it seem like they're not very competitive? You know, like, is it a roster thing? Is it a coaching thing? Like, Look, when, uh, when, it when... seems like even over the... Go ahead, DJ. I'm sorry. No, I was going to say, because it seems like even over the years, you know, different regimes, different coaches you know, different GMs, but the results are still the same. Well, which, which which probably tells you it's not a coaching problem, right? I think that would be the first uh, hint that you have, that you keep changing coaches and the results keep being the same. Probably tells you it's not a coaching thing. Look, the NFL is a player-based business. Coaches make differences. Coaches matter. Coaches are important. But you could have the best coach in the world. I'm going to go reference Bill Belichick up there in New England. If you don't have the horses to play for you, you're not going to have success. Um, even a coach like Mike Tomlin, we've seen. He was a Super Bowl contender for a lot of years. When the roster got worse, is to his credit, he's still getting his team to hover oh, yeah. around 500. But are they competing for Super Bowls? No, because the roster is not as good, even though he is still an excellent head coach, right? So right. It, it's about, right now, the roster still not being where it is. And I, I've said this before, Lance. I haven't done a show with you in a few weeks. But when this group got here, when I'm talking group, I mean Joe Shane and company, right? And they rebuilt the front office, new coaches, all that stuff. We said this is a two- to three-year process to get the roster back to where you need it to be, right? This is really just year two. He's had two draft classes. He's had two free agent periods, one of which was tearing the team down and not adding anybody. So he's really had one free agency period where he can actually add to the roster to try to make it better. He's had a ridiculous amount of injuries to the team's best players this year. You know, we talked last year, they won a ton of close games. And while they had some injuries, Daniel Jones played every game. Saquon Barkley played every game. Andrew Thomas played every game. Dexter Lawrence played every game. Those are your four most important players to your roster, right? Probably. This Absolutely. Year, yeah. This year, Andrew Thomas has missed almost every game except for two. Daniel Jones has missed more than half the game. Saquon Barkley missed three games. And Dexter Lawrence has luckily been on the field. But you had to a point against Buffalo, Lance, where of your nine offensive linemen on your roster to start the year, you had three left healthy standing. It's tough to fight through right. that. Now, that's not saying that's an excuse. These margins, yeah. of de- these margin of defeats are unacceptable. And trust me, no one's happy about that here. Everyone knows. And when and my larger point here is that when you have DJ losses like this and a two and eight start, there is not one thing to point to where you say that one thing is the problem. Brian Dable said on his press yeah, conference because- today, it's a team wide problem, and the problem starts with him. I'll, I'll and, and it begins with the coaching, but has a ton to do with execution as well. This is a organizational wide failure. That's how you get to two and eight with what's by far right now the worst point differential in the NFL. Yeah, I understand. Like I understand the injuries. Like injuries happen in football. Like it's a part of the game. But like 
to not be competitive. Like yeah, even right. the Bears, who had the first pick in the draft last year, they're competitive with Tyson Bajan. You know what I mean? It's like he won two games. Like I don't understand. Like and before, you know, when we talk about like the GMs, it's like, you know, we used to blame Reese for bad drafts. Like he bra- he drafted Flowers, he drafted Eli Apple, he drafted you know Evan Ingram. So you know we gave Dave Gettleman a little bit of a pass. Now, here we go with Shane, and we're kind of doing the same thing. Like, oh, Shane, it's not really his fault. Dave Gettleman, you know, years of bad drafting. It's like, when is the team going to get better? Well, to your point about the Bears, and I think Chicago's a good example with Tyson Bagent, who was a D2 player and a heck of a story. But, you know, remember, they beat the Raiders and the Panthers. Those are their two wins. So you got to look at the caliber of the competition that they managed to win those games. You put the Bears against the Dallas Cowboys. You put the Bears against the Eagles. I don't know necessarily if we're going to be talking about Tyson Bagent and company going 2-2 two and two in the span of four. Right, again, if we show them next week and we see the Giants lose 49-17 to Washington, it's, I, to me, that's a different conversation. Yeah, and this is taking into consideration the loss to the Raiders. That was not good. But nope, if you good. talk about Washington and New England, the next two games, and you're losing by two, three touchdowns, that, to me, is more alarming than perhaps what transpired yesterday. Not an excuse. No, nope, not just an excuse. Dallas and the Giants are on different wavelengths, okay? And that has been like that for several seasons. And to answer your caller, your question, that has to do with talent on the roster, okay? And specifically execution in the trenches. That is what is separating both of those teams. That's an easy answer. But with respect to the Giants versus these other teams... And I would say quarterback play as well. Oh, quarterback, yeah. 100%. Mm-hmm. In terms of Dak and his stability. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah more veteran period of time that's been together with the rest of the roster. There's no doubt about that. But Washington and New England, I think, is going to be a good litmus test for this team to either go in the direction that you're talking about or perhaps further emphasize that the caliber of the competition is really right now making all the difference to determine the competitive nature of this Giants team. And appreciate the phone call. Yeah, thanks for yeah, the call. Absolutely. 201-939-4513. Wilson's in Roxbury. Hi, Wilson. Hey guys, hey listen, uh, I wasn't gonna call, but when I saw you guys together, I figured I'd call. Uh, after today, I'm gonna take a little break of, of calling, so I just want to wish you. What guys, happened? There's you know, not enough conspiracy theories out there to uh, no, reflect no, on. No, because yeah. I, I see I, now, Wilson. I, 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 well, I'm gonna be honest, Wilson. I'm nervous now. I feel like if you're not gonna call in a while, you're gonna try to go out with a bang here. So I am now holding my no, breath to see what I, you're no, trying to no, do here I'm on not, your call. I'm not, I'm not, <laughs> no, Wilson's preparing no. for a night at the Roxbury. That's what he's preparing for. Yeah, they're remaking the film. No, uh. no listen. I, I, listen. First thing is, I get you guys' predicament because you guys are in the building. Yes. And, and sometimes, and sometimes, I guess I, I you can't be a, a, as transparent as I want you guys to be. And and I get it. I get it. And sometimes it frustrates me. And and it is what it is. But like John, listen, I love you. But you can read that paper you had in front of you. And to me, it means nothing. Because yesterday, it was like a preseason game for the Cowboys. We all know that. And the Giants, I mean, they're... Yeah, they're, yeah they're also, also no argument. The Cowboys dominated the game from start okay. to finish. There's right. no okay. argument. I'm with you so, on that. And, 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 and you know how I feel about Brian Dable. And and we got seven more games to go. And to me, the, to me, the team has checked out on, on him, has checked out on the season. They're embarrassing themselves on the sidelines now. He's making a mockery of the post-game... Uh, uh, press conference, he's making a mockery out of that. Wilson, uh, well, Wilson, well, well, no, Wilson, seriously, would you rather have him give the eight-minute diatribes that Joe Judge gave him no, when he got fired? That, and that, this, is, this, is, this is what I'm getting at. Uh, and I can, if I can kiss me after that, it's Kisenta and Daniel Jones real quick. Sure, so listen, you got it. If you would have told, you would have told me that that the Giants, somebody would have told me, listen, uh, uh, it could get worse than than Joe Judge. I said that's that's universal, impossible. That cannot happen. That could have happened, and a real life cannot happen. Somehow it's happening, but and and, and which is crazy. And you you know what you know what the worst part about it is. I mean, I feel bad for you guys because you guys you guys have seven more games to do, which is insane. It's insane. You, you cannot put that out. you cannot put that product on the field. I don't care if you you can play with guys from. From the street, and it, it, it's got to be. This is high school against against professional. This is not professional football. So but. Wilson, let me ask you this: yeah. Then what do you yeah. want them to do then in the remaining seven uh, games? Uh, uh, you, you know what? What I want to do is, I what I want to do is, I want, I want, I want somebody. I want. I don't want any more, any no more uh, uh, offensive coordinators, defensive coordinators. You, I told you this before. 
I don't want no more Bill Belichick guys. I don't want no more, not, none of that stuff. I want something fresh. It starts from scratch. It starts something, go in a different direction because. Brian Dable, he won last year. We made the playoffs, well, and I'm, well, I'm Wilson, grateful. Hold on. Let, let me just bring it back yeah. to reality. Every coach, okay, if you look at yeah. everyone, even Bill Belichick has been a coordinator yeah. at some point in their careers. So when you well, say you don't want well, an well, offensive or defensive coordinator. No, 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 but hold on. I, Wilson, I don't think you're thinking through this straight. Bill Belichick started off as a special teams guy. Then he was a defensive coordinator. So yeah. he became Bill Belichick over time, but the grunt work. Yeah was done as a coordinator. Now, Wilson, I want to be clear. So, you're no, saying no, you don't want I mean. any coordinators? You don't want anyone related no, 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 to I, Belichick? I want, I, 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 our next head coach, well, we're going to have one after next year. That, uh, you're gonna, I, I, I'm going to be proven right. I'm going to call you guys when, when this happens. No, I want a guy with – I want a, I want a coach that, that actually coached in the NFL and has some, some kind of success. Not like Pat Sherman that won two you games. Want a former, and you want a guy who's been a head coach. So you want a, a former head yes, coach. Okay, yes, so you don't yes, want yes. a guy wanna, that jumps from coordinator head coach. So you want somebody that is, for the lack of that, a better phrase, maybe a recycled people. individual who's had a previous uh, stop it, elsewhere it, 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 is look, what you're talking about. I'll take, I'll take anybody normal right now. But listen, uh, that, that's that. And you guys know how I feel about Brian Dable. And, 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 and I want, I want, listen, and I want this guy to win, but he's not going to. But I want to ask you guys something about Daniel Jones, right, and Joe Shank. Yeah, I mean, is I crazy? Or I mean, Daniel Jones was a free agent, so Joe Shane had all had it. Had, you know, if he didn't like him, he didn't have to. He didn't have to sign him. So, in, and technically, in reality, Joe Daniel Jones is Joe Shane's guy. I don't want. Why is everybody saying now? Well, Joe Shane's gonna draft his own guy. Well, Daniel Jones was a free agent. He didn't have to draft him if he didn't want to. No, I you're right about that. Yeah, absolutely. He had the choice to bring him back. Invest in yeah, him no. or move on. You're right about that. Yeah, that that's fair. No sure. argument. Right. And, and remember when I asked you, John, a couple of weeks ago, I yeah. said, John, tell me the truth. Was, yes. he, was this John Maris call? Or, or, and you told me, no, Wilson, it was not. He yeah, was, was Joe involved, call. but ultimately. All right. So then, so then, so then, it might be, it might be unfair. I don't want to hear that anymore. I don't want to hear that. Daniel you never heard us say that, though, Wilson. Guy. No, Wilson, Wilson. We never said that. No, no, no. You guys. No, no, not you guys. Okay. Everybody else. He, media, see, he loves his sports caller. talk radio. I told you. See, Wilson, you cannot. No, no, you got that itchy factor. You you no, have your thumb Lance. on the pulse of the court of public <laughs> being. No you one in society Lance. has their thumb, their index Lance. finger, their middle finger, their you name it, Lance. your pinky <laughs> finger. You know what society in the trenches is talking about, and you Lance. bring it to the bank, and you tell them Lance. you give me investment on every Lance. single statement Lance. and headline Lance. in the newspaper. Yes. But, Lance, but, you're gonna yes. miss me. You're gonna, Lance. You're I, gonna I'm miss already me missing you. you. I'm already. <laughs> you kidding me? No. You you just told me the next uh, seven uh, weeks uh, is gonna uh, be difficult uh, for me. Uh, uh, maybe maybe I'll call the last game of the season. Don't tease say, me like that, Wilson. Don't tease me. <laughs> Do not tease me like that. That's not fair. You're putting me in a very precarious spot. Do you know now I'm going to be uh, holding listen, out hope for I, the next seven I, games? He's going to be your phone staring call. at that call uh, screen or every call me? now. We'll gonna, say, is it Wilson? Oh. No. That's that. Oh, that. Okay. Just don't do that to me. It's yeah. Yeah. But, but, but hold on. Wilson, wait a minute. I, I got to punch a hole into your criteria early, okay? Because there's, a, there's an important caveat. You said you don't want another Pat Shermer. I hate to break your bubble and burst it. Pat Shermer was a head coach with the Cleveland Browns before he yeah, came to the Yeah, I know. He won two games. He won two games. No, I, sure. I want somebody to actually maybe – I want – Lance, come on. This is the New York no, Giants. I mean, Wilson, 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 Wilson. In all seriousness, can, can you give me an example yeah. of someone that's available that was a former head coach that had a lot of success that you would be interested in? And, and Shermer won nine games in those two seasons, to be fair. Well, combined. Yes, come on. Come on. He said two, bro. He said two seasons. I mean, come on. Seriously. Let me see. Yes. Let me see. I, I, you, know who I, you know who I would like? I would like, like as a head coach for the Giants, somebody that will bring a different light. Uh the the defensive coordinator of the Cleveland Browns. He he was he was a head coach. Jim of the Schwartz. Yeah, Jim Schwartz. Yeah, right. And and listen, and it, it's hard to win in Detroit, but he did an okay job. Somebody like that. I just, my, no, listen. All kidding aside, man. I, I mean, Brian Gable. I don't like him personally, but I, I want him. I, I want him. Yeah, I don't I think you know. Okay, thank you, Wilson. Appreciate the call. I hope you don't dislike him personally. You've never met him before. <laughs> we don't need to rush the judgments on that front. And, and guys, I don't think we're. We, you know, humored Wilson there. I oh yeah, no, it's this, this is reality not versus here. the phone Correct. call. Yes. Are two different things. Yes. yes, obviously that that right now is, in my opinion, not a conversation at all. But we want to at least Wilson allow him to make his point uh, to find somebody normal 
this time around. I'm, I'm not sure what I'm not sure someone what that normal. criteria is. So what would you guys say? Goes someone normal. <laughs> really narrowing. The and by gap. the way, I hate to tell you, most coaches in the NFL, by their very nature, none of these guys are that normal. I hate to tell you. Same way in broadcasting. We ain't normal either. That's why we get into this business. Right, Pearson? Also, that doesn't always work. I mean, look at Sean Payton in Denver. Like, it's not a sure thing that they'll be just as good with yeah. a different team. No, it's, it's, look, it's not. Because, because lo and behold, you need really good players if you're a good coach in order to have success. It's funny how that works. Talent matters. Yeah. <sighs> That's the end-all, be-all factor when it comes to the National Football League. That's why, you know, it circles back to where we started this show where we were talking about locker room things and sideline animation and coaching. Can but, you block the guys? Can you tackle the guys? And I think the question was answered overwhelmingly based on what happened over the course of four quarters. Can you catch the football? Can you prevent the other team from catching the football? I mean, it's 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 simple, basic I stuff. Mean, right? I mean, I don't want to belabor a point, John, but I think this relates to what we're talking about right now. The play that C.D. Lamb made. When Deion Banks, Deontay Banks is hanging on to him, right? Literally holding his yeah, arm. Literally holding yes. his arm. And CD puts out his left hand and just snags it with one hand. It's, it still makes the catch. It's funny. The minute that play happened, I'm watching the game with Casillas. He looks at me and he goes, Schmelk, has a Giants player made one play like that all year? Oh. And, I mean, I'm, like, I'm like, well, maybe Dexter Lawrence. You know, he's been dominant. Obviously not in that he's way. He's not running routes he's not a receiver. That catch, sure. yeah. But in terms of, like, unbelievable plays, him... But there haven't been many otherwise where guys have, you know, gone above and beyond to make these unbelievable catches to or anything, you know, to to to, to make big plays and, and make oh, a difference. And, so. and John, in fairness, I mean, you could talk about seasons, plural, in terms of not seeing a play like that. Yeah. And, you know, that adds up yes. in the long run. And now we got to go get some, eat some grilled cheese. It's <laughs> very exciting lunch. Grilled cheese and tomato soup. Maybe Wilson can call in next weekend. That. Baby, give us some feedback on the uh, food that these individuals are consuming in preparation for the games. We haven't talked about that narrative. I think we should put that on the agenda say, at some I, point. You handled that Wilson phone call very well, Lance. That was actually one of your, your well, funnier handlings the, of a phone call that I've, that I've the heard. The durability I've built up. That was nice. I will pat myself on the back for that. good job. One. Yes. All right. Uh, tomorrow, it will be Madeline and Howard on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Then later in the week, Lance and I, this is your swap Thursday, Friday. Right? So yes. Lance will be with Casillas on Thursday. I'll get Paulie Dots on Friday and then Paul and I on Wednesday as well. So stay tuned. Giants Little Podcast as well. Giants Hangout with Lance. Is that up yet, Pearson? That's up. Lance, uh, Howard, and Russ. Go check out the Giants Hangout Podcast. It's up on your favorite podcast platform or on the Giants app. Thanks for being with us. We'll see you tomorrow, everybody. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts.